I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. I've got idea Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. How's it going today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Because we're very excited about the big Twin Peaks announcement, the release date. Today's episode is very special for us. Yeah. Something, um, Ben, we, you've wanted to do for a very long I've time. I've wanted to do it for a long time. I know we, we don't have Joe Bacco on the show, but he's been talking about wanting to do this for a long time, to actually have a panel, to have more than one guest, more than two guests, <laughs> have a whole panel talking about news right now, the topics of the day. And the big one, the release date of Twin Peaks. Mm. So, without further ado, I'm going to disappear. You can't stay? I can't stay. I got to work. I got to work tonight, Ben. What? Come on. I got to leave the studio. I'm Don't we leave. have something? Where we, can't we do like a teleconference? Can't we, while you're working, actually have a phone connect uh, to it? It'd be so cool. <laughs> I'm excited to listen to the panel as a fan. Hmm. So, for me, this is exciting. So I got to go to work. I let you and the panel take it away. Well, this is our first time doing a conference call panel, and uh, we do have some audio issues. I hope you can still enjoy the show. So I might go around the virtual table and, uh, and then say who you are. Hey, this is Brad Dukes. I'm the author of Reflections in Oral History of Twin Peaks and host of the Brad Dukes Show podcast. Um, this is David Bushman. I'm a curator of television at the Taylor Center for Media and the author of Twin Peaks FAQ. Hi, I'm Francine Lucid Dream, and I'm the producer of the Pink Room Data Bunch Burlesque here in New York City. Hi, this is John Thorne. Uh, I uh, co created the magazine Wrapped in Plastic, and I am author of both The Essential Wrapped in Plastic. And mm-hmm. last but certainly not least, I'm Scott Ryan, the director of A Voyage to Twin Peaks and the co-host of the Red Room Podcast. Monday we got an announcement. It's uh, May 21st. Uh, Twin Peaks is coming back. I, we can go around the table. What do you, what's your thoughts on May 21st? Brad? It's, it's awesome to have a date. I feel like I can begin planning uh, the rest of my life. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's exciting. It's I was, I'm just glad that it's May and it's not September. Hey, David? Well, I mean, I have the same, you know, I had the same reaction that a lot of other people did, and I'm just, you know, I think it's interesting or um, curious as to why it's been put up for so long, and um, mm. kind of reminds me in some ways of what ABC, ABC did, uh, you know, back in the original original with the original airing but i'm sure it can't be for similar i can't imagine that it would be for similar reasons but it is curious i just i really you know not really following it so i don't know yeah and what do you think francine well like all of you i think i'm excited just playing my entire year out um you know personally and also you know shows that we had planned where you're hoping to gear up uh leading up to the release but, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit mysterious, but uh, I think everything has been, you know, was mysterious the way it's um, been promoted and released, and there's been a lot of back and forth, and mm. it's the whole thing has been kind of a little soap opera in, in itself. <laughs> um, but I'm excited, you know. I felt very, was very happy that we finally know an, an actual, you know, date, and we can start, as everyone says, start planning to see this. Uh, I'm I got two thoughts about it. I, I guess one is it's going to be kind of strange to have it playing over the summer months. Uh, I think that's just an odd time for it for various reasons. We can get into them later. Uh, so, 
but that's okay. Whatever. We're happy to have it. Um, there may be another reason, too. Could be, maybe there's some sort of merchandising or some sort of marketing that's also going to tie in. That we're just, you know, that's all going to fit together with this May release date. And they're waiting on some things we still don't know. I hope so. We'll see. So I would say that I think the reason that it's coming out in May is because the end of the Emmy is June 3rd, June 4th, in that area. So if you plop the pilot on May 21st, you, which, you know, we're going to assume that no matter how great the rest of the episodes are, the only thing that will get any nominations are the pilot because the award shows don't go by what is actually the best. They go by the pilot. And it, it gives a chance for David Lynch to win and Showtime <laughs> to win. My guess is there was some thought in that. Yeah. Well, that's, my, that's why I think they did it then. Yeah. Since we're talking about the, there's such a long period till the release of May, I mean, I'll skip ahead and just say, Brad, you know, David Nevin says that, you know, there's, there's 18 hours and... Uh, Lynch has basically served uh, Dorrance and coffee and showed him all the 18 hours. And I'm wondering, you actually got to speak to um, Dwayne uh, Dunham, who I think said he was done editing. So, I mean, it does seem like it's completed. Like, what do you think? Will we get, why do we have to wait another four months, Brett? I think there's two things going on. First, I don't think the 18 hours is completely done. I think mm-hmm. if you think about an 18-hour film, you think about David Lynch's involvement in every minute detail, like the sound design and music, I think they still are tightening the, the screws on a few things. Also, I, I think it really comes down to just Showtime's strategy to you know build their subscriber base, because that's what it's all about for them. Their flagship show, Homeland, is coming on this month, and then Billion is another hot show for them. But I think it's all just kind of making sure that they maximize uh, their subscriber base and get everybody in the door. Uh, at a certain time. I mean, I had seen a couple of people say, oh, it's going to come back on Twin Peaks Day, or someone even said David Lynch's birthday or something, and it's like, we're excited about it, but Showtime is running a business. They, they actually mm. don't care about when Twin Peaks comes back, just like Brad said. They need subscribers. They're worried about when Homeland and Ray Donovan are going to play. And I right. think this fits into their schedule. And they want everyone to subscribe today so they can get that nine ninety nine from now on. And yes, yeah. I right. So I'll go back to May Day. John Thorne, you, I think, mentioned it on Twitter about the fact that we May Day is mentioned in uh, the, the secret history of Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah, I was just, you know, goofing around. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, assumed, I assumed it was going to be May and not April because... Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I've seen some tweets about the calendar, that the promotional calendar that mm-hmm. Showtime made, and they put it out. Some Twin Peaks was May, right? So I think it was mm-hmm. the month of May, even though they had a little square on April 30th. Obviously, it's May. <laughs> so right. then I just remembered, I remembered, well, you know, there's the end of the, technically the end of the dossier in the Secret Industry, which is the last word is May Day, and, uh, which, which obviously has different connotations. But it just, it was a nice, it was a nice coincidence. I thought, oh, okay. I guess I, Mark Frost on Twitter uh, seems to indicate that that was deliberate, that he knew about it. I, I wonder if, you know, if he did or just everything just lined up beautifully. So, But uh, it is kind of fun, fun to play with. Yeah, the great thing about Twitter is that we now have it on record as John Thorne saying that something was probably just a coincidence, which he David, that was on Facebook, not on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> so, Scott, I guess the next, I, I'll start with you for the next question about schedule. It's a very interesting schedule that they're doing. They're going to basically do the first two hours on uh, May 21st on TV, and then those that are subscribed to Showtime will also be able to watch the third and fourth hour uh, right after the, the premiere. And then second week, they're going to do another two hours, which is really the third and fourth hour back-to-back. And then starting the, the following week, they're going to actually just do one a week. And I think the reason for that is that the uh, Jim Carrey show is going to start up, and it's going to take over that 10 o'clock time period. But I just wanted to say, what do you think about this crazy schedule, Scott, that they're doing? Well, first of all, I am 
not a binge watcher, and I don't like it. When I saw that they were playing the first two hours, and then as soon as it's over, you can watch the next two hours, I wasn't happy with that, because mm-hmm. I don't want to watch four hours of a David Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. I would really rather take those two hours and sit on it, and it would have been a fun mm-hmm. week for everyone to talk about what's going to happen next, and what's really going to happen now, and I'm not going to watch the four hours in a row. I'll watch the two hours that night, go to bed, I'm going to take off work on Monday, and I get up, I'll watch the next two hours, and I'm not looking at my phone, and I'll be internet free, and um, somehow everyone's going to have to live without me for 24 hours. <laughs> Because I don't want to watch four hours in a row. I mean, I right. don't want to enjoy that. I mean, if you think about what the first four hours of the series are, mm-hmm. and that pilot ends and Grace yells and the glove comes out. Oh, man, did you go sitting there waiting to watch the next one. And, mm-hmm. um, and then you think of really how they all do. You know, I like the time in between, but... I know that's just 2017, and if people could, they'd watch all 18 hours in a row, and that would be there for people forever. Um, I would agree that, you know, it's, it's it's better watched with a little distance in between each episode. I try to explain to people who are watching Twin Peaks now for the first time what it was like waiting after that season one cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. That summer was a lifetime <laughs> waiting to find out what happened to Agent Cooper. But there was something great about that. So I'm, I, I think it would be better if it was spaced out, too. I really wish that it was, we would get nine hours this year and then another nine next year. Mm. Um, because it, it, I think it's pretty unprecedented for somebody like Showtime or Netflix to actually deliver 18 hours of one show in a year. I think Showtime is topping out at 12 hours for other shows. And sometimes, you know, with Netflix, it'll be eight hours. So I am, that's my biggest surprise is that this isn't being drawn out a little bit longer. I still think David Lynch comes more out of the film um, aesthetic and film world, and, and Mark Frost is more of a TV guy. And even if you go back and read the comments that he made at the press conference, he's talking about film, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he saw the pilot as a film, and... Um, he's almost disowning the series, I think, in his comments. But um, so you know, the whole two-hour concept is much more of a much more of a filmic concept, and I think it's something that he's very comfortable in. I, I think that he, you know, he he, uh, he didn't really do a lot of TV in the even after Twin Peaks. I mean, obviously, he tried Mulholland Drive in that capacity, mm-hmm. but you know, I think he's more comfortable in a filmic environment and a filmic formally. So. Uh, you know, I think the two-hour, the two-hour um, time kind of warps better for him in that in that way. I'm just wondering how much David Lynch has had, you know, how it had a say in this, and how you know, uh, back to Brad's point about the 18 hours, it's an unusual first show to run 18 hours on on cable. You know, Game of Thrones is 10 hours, and that's usually what we got, and this is almost double that. And I don't know, you know, but I'm curious. We all, we all know there was some conflict at some point with Lynch. We don't know what it was, but I, I just wonder now how much say he had in how this was going to be presented, whether he said we're going to do two hours and then we're going to do two hours the following week. That being said, I'm also wondering if Showtime looked at the first two hours and said, if we don't put hour three and four up right away, we're going to lose everyone right away. Because hours mm-hmm. one and two are just a cryptic, confusing, off-putting... <laughs> I that's a great point because if you you know think about go back to the ABC show and how ABC was always getting on on them to make the pad, the, the, the pace faster and cut yeah. to the heart of the industry faster and yeah. I would be very surprised if Showtime's exerting that kind of kind of influence so I think that's a great point there may be some fear on the part of the channel of of how it's going to play. Well, I don't think exactly. there's any way that David Lynch said, let's play the first two hours and then put the other two hours up on the internet. Mm. That's, a, that's an executive decision. I mean, only an yeah. executive thing. Let's watch the next two hours on their phone. That's what the kids love to do. 
I wonder if it's a combination of two things, at least that hours one and two have to go together, hours three and four have to go together, mm-hmm. uh, and Showtime was like, well, we can't wait a week for hour three and four again, and it's purely speculation, but because the first two hours are just, you know, it's not till the last 15 minutes of the first two hours that things just really pick up or there's enough to be free to make you want to go to the next hour, and, uh, and so they're going to make it available. But, yeah, pure speculation. You know, there is some precedent in the cable world today of creators having uh, exercising influence over the, the channel. Like, you look at people like Matthew Weiner and... Um, David Chase both were able to, I think, exert certain um, concessions from the channels. And the other thing that's kind of interesting to me is that I, I think that Showtime has forever been in the shadow of HBO. Mm-hmm. You know, Homeland has gotten some attention. I think it's you know a very overrated show, but um, but you know, with the exception of Homeland, I just you know you think about things like The Sopranos and The Wire and Westworld now and. And then you think about Ray Donovan and, um, what, Penny Dreadful and Californication. I mean, I think Showtime has a lot riding on this. You know, they're really in the shadow of HBO to me. And yeah. I think this is a big deal to them. They still need to make up for uh, the Dexter finale, in my opinion. I've heard 18 installments. Is it 18 hours? Is it 18 episodes? Like, what do we think this is? I've been resisting calling them episodes uh, and calling them installments because of Lynch's comment yesterday about it all being one film, you know, one long film, which I think he's actually maybe made before. And I wonder, obviously, they're going to call them episodes, and obviously they're going to be, you know, listed as the next episode of Twin Peaks. But I wonder, <clears throat> structurally, if you're watching it, just stop, you know, and then right. you got to wait. You got to wait a week and it starts again. Um, I'm not sure yeah. if you'd be that, you know, that crude in terms of editing it. Um, I, he understands the medium he's working in, but um, I don't think he sees that. You know, you know this episode we're going to achieve this this particular you know, goal uh, and have this kind of arc. I, I'm not sure that's what's what's in his mind. So I'm thinking of it as installments. David Lynch made a surprise appearance at TCA. And he showed up, and he took some questions. And, yeah, I think at one point he called it one big story. So it is like one story. He's definitely not looking at it as episodic. Francine, President David Evans, said that it's, this is kind of designed to be a one-time closed-ended event. Do you think there's closure in this story? Oh, God. I, I don't think there's going to be the kind of traditional closure that we <laughs> are used to getting from TV. But I think uh, I think it's a good decision to do it that way as much as mm. there's a little part of me that wants it to become an ongoing thing so we can have mm. at, least, at least four more years of Twin Peaks. I think, you know, they've been sitting on this for, or it's been doing for over 25 years um, just mm. with different ideas, you know, Lynch and Frost. I, I think it's going to be good that it's just the one season. But if, mm. if they if, if they came back and decided there was more of a story, I, I would have to watch it. One thing I think is interesting is that I mean, is this so? So this isn't described as David Lynch on heroin, I guess. It, this is like this is a big investment, eighteen episodes. Like, what if this is like England Empire, you know? And and yeah. people bow on it. You know, eighteen episodes—that's a lot of episodes to to be uh, committing to, you know, right off the bat on something that's kind of you know, which is what I would call pretty experimental, or ha- can has the um, capability of being that. So, um, you know, I don't think. You really know how beyond the, the core audience, how people are going to respond to this, because there's mm. a lot of potential for it to go one way or the other. Well, I even think that within the core audience, it's it's going to ca- cause more waves than without. Mm. Because I have heard a couple people say, "Oh, I'm going to start Twin Peaks over again, and I'm going to watch all 29 episodes to get ready." I suggest you do not do that. I suggest you forget everything you ever saw in the 29 episodes, because I think Lynch did. And I think this is going to be something completely different. And if we turn it on and Norma doesn't work at the double R and never owned it before, you should not be surprised by that. Very interesting that David Lynch said he hadn't read The Secret History of Twin Peaks and didn't plan to. Yeah, I had that question for John. <laughs> John, I think, we've kind of, I think we've started teasing you that The Secret History of Twin Peaks um, had things on Firewalk With Me that would uh, 
contradict maybe your theory. And so, John, what do you think of when you heard that Dave Lynch hadn't read it and he thinks that Mark Frost has, has his own version, his own history of Twin Peaks? It didn't totally surprise me. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that book lately and sort of mulling it over. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that he either told you, Ben, or he told you, Brad, uh, on your various interviews is that, I think it was Ben, that he didn't really subscribe to the idea of canon and wasn't really, you know, he didn't want to talk about it as canon. And I, I come to think more and more that it's not canonical, that it's not, that like the secret diary and like the autobiography, mm. um, it informs the TV show. It, uh, it adds, it embellishes the TV show, but in some ways they're all these alternate takes on, on that world. And I'm, you know, coming to think more and more that this is just an alternate. I don't know what the explanation for it is, whether we want to kind of tie in how it's become an alternate, or whether it just simply is. Like, I'm going to play in, in this world I created. I mean, there's so much more to talk about there. I, I won't go on and on about it. But he, also, he has made some comments on Twitter about, you know, all will be revealed. So, mm. so there is some... There is some thought that whatever, and this goes back to what Scott was just saying, I with Scott on this completely, and I would not be surprised if we turn on uh, Twin Peaks, and it is a different world than the one we are used to seeing, and uh, I, you know, I go as far as that, I wouldn't be surprised if Laura Fong is still alive. There's some crazy thing. Now, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, everybody out there probably hates me now, but, um, you know, I, I, I just think that it's... Uh, that they've done something. I sense uh, a theory coming on. John. I, I, well, no, I think I, when they sat down together to talk about bringing Twin Peaks back, I think they said, we got to do something um, that, that's unexpected, that's potentially subversive, uh, and that allows us to have a little more freedom to play with what we've done. And, and, and whatever that is, it, it, could be, it could be a lot of different things. Um, it allowed Mark Frost to write the book he wanted to write, and it allowed David Lynch maybe to direct the TV show he wants to direct. I'm very disappointed because I was looking forward to like 11 hours on Doug Milford. And we don't know that could happen. <laughs> the whole thing is going to be a Deer Meadow dream for yeah. all 18 hours. That's what I was thinking. Or just get in there into yeah. Deer Meadow. Uh -huh. Sure. And so, David, Scott's saying you don't have to watch the film, you don't have to watch the show, but Lynch stated, he stated at the event that basically he says, I can say that the story of Laura Palmer's last seven days is very important to the story. So he seems to be referencing, referencing to Firewalk With Me, that he almost wants to continue that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, this is going to shock you, but I completely disagree with everything Scott just said. <laughs> no, seriously, I think that the faithful, and I think the faithful are very loyal to David Lynch, and they don't need it to be like like the show that what like the show was how many years ago, twenty five years ago, or whatever. Yeah I, think that, yeah, I think they'll be fine with that. So, and I don't know to answer your question more directly. I, I mean, I think the core audience is gonna is gonna love it. Um, I think, and I think I'm gonna love it. I, I don't know how literally we should be taking that comment about Laura Palmer. I think, again, it's just going to be informing the story. I don't necessarily expect mm. to see Laura Palmer or... I mean, there are all kinds of questions from the movie that haven't been answered and that mm. in some way do relate to Laura Palmer. And, and you know, maybe they, maybe it goes there. From what I understand from talking to people, including some people on this phone call, there's a lot of this show that's being shot outside of Twin Peaks, like in places. Mm. Overseas and and um, so um, you know I, I don't I just don't take that to comment that literally. Mm. I expect to see Laura Palmer Palmer pop pop up alive. Well, I want to say that I didn't say you didn't have to watch Firewalk with me. I said the series. Ah, saying you're right. I no, I don't. I don't think that people who are really uh, loyal fans of the show are necessarily expecting to be what it was. I think they're just expecting some really David Lynch Mark Frost magic. And I think as long as they get that they'll they'll be happy. And well, I don't want five years, so you can't really continue the story. You're not going to pick up with uh, Ben's in the hospital from uh, hitting his head on the fireplace. I mean, it's clear that the story has to change. It's been 25 years. The comment on um, 
Dave saying that people aren't going to be annoyed with it. I think you should look at the first 48 hours after the release of Mark Frost's book. You went through any kind of Facebook mm -hmm. feed. People were not blindly supportive mm -hmm. of any kind of change. Now, you're right. David gets a lot more um, love than Mark Frost in the Twin Peaks world. But I think people just turning on who have never watched Twin Peaks before will will probably love the show because it's not going to be tied to, like Ben said, you know, it's not going to start off with Ben in the hospital or something. So you're not expecting Inland Empire? Not at all. I'm expecting it to be dark like Firewalk with me because that's what Lynch remembers. Lynch, there's no way he's ever seen episodes 15 through 28. So but, but even the first the first series of episodes that he was involved in, you, they, they were a lot. They had a lot more humor than Fire Walk with Me. I mean, David Lynch can be can be funny. I think I'm expecting a balance of that. I mean, I think that there has to at some point be a little bit of that quirky humor. But I think just based on everything we can sort of infer, uh, it's going to be dark, and it's going to it's not going to be sanitized to the point that it's airing on a broadcast network in the 90s. So I, I think, you know, without any without any restrictions, so to speak, I, I'm a little afraid of something that's like Inland Empire, but I'm kind of expecting, like, a huge cauldron of craziness. I think it's going to be a big mix of everything. There has to be some of that quirky humor just based on the casting from this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got... I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we, you know, we have Nadine Hurley coming back. We've got uh, Andy, Debbie and Andy oh. coming back. They're funny characters. Even if it's a little bit of a darker type of humor, it's still going to be there. And then you mm -hmm. throw in the mix of uh, uh, Michael Sarah and, and Amanda Savory can do dark stuff, but she can also do comedy. I feel like it would be a waste of their talents to not have a little bit of quirkiness in there. Mm. Uh, I think Rick Gelman, I mean, there are a bunch of people on that cast list. Like, I, I think it's going to be a little bit Firewalk Me and a little bit of the TV show Twin Peaks. Maybe some Midland Empire thrown in there, but I think there's going to be a little bit more substance, I guess, in just in terms of, not that it would be traditional, certainly not going to be a traditional TV show, but I think they're going to have to go that way. I think we're going to keep it from being Inland Empire. I do share that fear with David that it's just it has that potential. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say I was afraid of it. I was <laughs> Really? Okay. I, yeah. I hear that a little. And I think what would keep that uh, from happening is Mark Frost. I think, um, you know, what, the way we're talking right now is that David Lynch has complete control over this series. I think he may have a little more control over what's happening. The fact that it's blossomed from nine to 18 episodes is probably more Lynch than Frost. Uh, but I think Frost is still a crucial element of this creative process, and he probably is, is going to be um, the person who's, who's essentially putting the backbone into the show, into the story, sort of understands mm -hmm. the way the narrative is moving from, you know, point A to point B to point C, and uh, and, then, and then when she's, she's deciding, I'm going to go down this detour, and I'm going to go explore over here, I'm going to come back, I'm going to spend a whole episode, it's just an entire dream, or, or whatever, and and uh, again, I'll get back. And Lynch has said that in the past. You know, he kind of you know refers to the script when he needs to get back on track. Mm -hmm. So I think I think Frost is, is the person who's going to keep this. I, I, I assume, at least from what we've seen that the two of them do in the past. But I, I do also think that Firewalk with Me, um, I agree with Scott that Firewalk with Me is, is, is the thing that Lynch, um, you know, still has in his mind the last time he visited Twin Peaks. And I do wonder, you know, whether or not, you know, Frost really has explored Firewalk with me that much. I have a feeling Frost knows as much about what happened in Firewalk with me as, as we do. <laughs> you know, he, he's also trying to figure it out. So there, there is that tension, that potential tension there. Uh, and it would be interesting to see how that all plays out. But, you know, the, the Firewalk with me that David Lynch shot without time constraints was a completely different movie from what we saw, there was a lot of that quirky humor that he shot and wrote mm -hmm. with with uh, Bob Engel. So um, he did, it was there. I mean, even without Mark Frost, it was there. So, John, I mean, you still have your theory about the first half hour of Fire Alchemy being a dream? We have no Chris Isaac in the cast as we know it. Do you still stand by that right now? 
I stand by the fact the first half hour of Firewalk C is more than what it appears on the surface. And if then Lynch, you know, wanted Dale Cooper to be a much more prominent presence in that film than he, uh, he then Kyle McLaughlin would have allowed him to do. And so, uh, whether or not it's a dream, uh, I definitely didn't explore any other you know, things looking at the reading, uh, some other books about Lynch and Lynch's interest in quantum mechanics and that kind of stuff, uh, quantum theory. Um, and the idea that, you know, we've seen it in many Lynch films that one person can have different identities or two different people can have the same identity. And, uh, whether we want to define it, you know, concretely as a dream, which I did, um, or as something else, um, I still stand by the fact that, that, that there's more, that, that Cooper is much more involved in that first half hour than it appears on the surface. I heard the theory on the, uh, I think it was the, uh, 2016 wrap up. I thought it was great. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that I necessarily buy into it 100%, but I, I think it, it does stand up from everything you, you mentioned in that. I thought it was pretty cool. But I think the thing that is so great and it's great about Twin Peaks is that we are con- we are still talking about we're still coming up with new theories 25 years later. Right. Exactly. And that's what makes it so exciting. That's what's going to make whatever the next season is going to be like. And we can we can all guess. We can all talk about based on what we know or what people have said. We really don't know what it's going to be. We're just going to have to watch. And that's really exciting. That's really exciting. We're going to get something that's new. And I- hopefully we'll be debating about it for another 25 years. I totally agree. That is exactly right. Ben, you guys are going to have podcasts for the, next, for the rest of your lives. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in installment seven of that Showtime series? Really? You don't understand that one thing. What was going on in the shadow? So, uh, and hopefully you'll come on to give us your theory on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. President Evans has said... Basically, they're not going to be regular. You're not going to have your traditional trailers for the next four months. What do you guys think about that? You might we might get some more of like film pieces, kind of what they did, like David Lynch eating a donut. What do you guys thought about no trailers for four months? <laughs> I I think it's okay. I mean, we're listen. I feel like you guys, all all of you here, everyone, all the Twin Peaks community, everyone on Twitter, everyone who's been you know, keeping the flame alive for so many years, have been keeping it going, and I don't think there's any end to that. I see people coming out with Twin Peaks artwork all the time. There's, for me, obviously, I choose to follow this on social media, but there's this reminder all the time. So I think it's just going to be more of a mystery. We're just going to have to wait to get those teasers, but I I think we're going to have plenty of speculation from the fans, and that's, for me, at least, entertainment enough. Yeah, I think there's vignettes with, like with Lynch eating the donuts is fine. I mean, it's not completely unheard of because Mattman uh, was able to do a few seasons without any trailers. And I think the press is going to be all over this. Um, mm-hmm. and people, you know, it's not like they need extra attention. Uh, journalists love that show. And I think yeah. that first that first few weeks of May, it's just going to be absolute chaos. Uh, so I'm, I'm all for it. I, I'm fine if we don't get a trailer. It's funny, uh, Brad, that you say journalists love that show, because I think in many ways journalists, I, I don't disagree with you in the beginning, but I'm sure, you, I'm sure you're agreeing with me too, but they also played, I think, a major role in killing that show, and I hope, I hope that doesn't happen again, again here, you know? I hope that, that they can respect Lynch as an artist and let him do, you know, what he wants to do instead of demanding certain things in this age of instant gratification, and and so that kind of worries me how, how the press will respond to it. But that's well, that's pretty 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 uh, they can certainly yeah. squash it pretty quick. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point I, because you know, sorry, Scott, just a quick point about just destroyed it, and uh, you know, they just I think some, there was some glee in destroying it. And um, it's only it's taken a long time, but people have gone back and looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, this is actually a pretty good movie. It's a substantive film. It's an important film on, on many levels. And uh, it was just sort of an instant, uh, at the time, what was instant, you know, a column in the paper the next day, just taking it down. So hopefully that won't happen, that there won't be that need to, you know, take down some feeling of well, one of the articles that I had read today said that 
they described the Lynch answers as maddening. And, <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting because I thought, how fascinating that you think you have the right to know what this plot is. Like, you don't have the right. And who interviewed David Lynch and, does, and thought he was going to give an answer? I mean, even Tom McLaughlin <laughs> said, wow, he said more than I ever expected him to. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who said it, but I think, um, yeah, journalists are not going to be a friend to this because they they don't know how to handle not getting answers. Don't worry, they won't try to get any answers from Trump. Booyah! That would be the question, who... For journalists, who would it be harder to get a, a straight answer out of Trump or David Lynch? I don't know. Well, only one of us. I hate to compare the two of them. Well, I think the difference is that. Well, I mean, one of them is honest about not giving answers. Sure. The other one is. <laughs> one quick comment on the promo trailer. Uh, getting back to produce, uh, um, I can imagine Lynch finding a few snippets from the 18 hours that are dramatic, challenging, and, and curious, and, 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 and not, not Gordon Cole eating a donut, but someone running down a hall or, you know, some scream and a flash of light and a character we know walking, you know, in the woods. Something on a minor mundane. Lynch would be much more creative and exciting, but enough to, when you see it, uh, you just get hooked. Like, even if you have never mm-hmm. looked at you might go, what is, I want to know more of what that's all about. It's not mm-hmm. a trailer, but it is a piece of Twin Peaks that has got a hook. So I can see that happening. You know, one good thing, too, is that, um, you know, because this isn't, this is a, this is the age of the fractured audience and this is Showtime, not EDC. Twin Peaks doesn't need massive numbers to be successful, which I think is a great thing. Because I think that sort of really played a, you know, detrimental role the last time around. They're on a broadcast network and they needed those big numbers. And, and here it can be much smaller and still be considered successful, which I think is a great thing. Mm. Yeah, I always think that the, yeah. the lowest-rated uh, episode of Twin Peaks uh, back in 1990-91 would be a success today. <laughs> I mean, like, and you have so many more fans that over 25 years who have you know who watched it in some format. So I do, I I think they've got a good chance to get good numbers for the show. Yeah, it's interesting from Showtime's perspective. I mean, they fronted the cost for this 18-hour David Lynch film, and I really believe people are just going to keep rediscovering Twin Peaks over the years. And mm. I mean, that's going to be a destination. People are going to go to Showtime to see that last piece or one of the, you know, last big project of lunch. I'm guessing the IOT makes a ton more stuff, but I think a lot of trails are going to lead uh, to Showtime to check this out. Uh, when people discover Lynch, whether it's Twin Peaks or other films. That's a good point. And, yeah. and, and, would they get, do you think that they would get money from the Blu-ray? Well, CBS, I, I believe, is the parent company of Showtime and they uh, and CBS Home Video. So I think a lot of dollars are, are flowing up to CBS regardless. I can say again, I think that there's got to be some merchandising marketing uh, plans in place to make money off of this more than just subscribers to Showtime and buyers of Blu-ray. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what it is. It's, again, 18 hours, that's a window. It's not like you've got eight seasons of Game of Thrones and you can have Game of Thrones beer and Game of Thrones, you know, uh, Funko dolls or whatever they are. Just <laughs> uh, constantly something coming out, um, but I would imagine they're going to try whatever Lynch will allow them uh, to to have some merchandise to make money that way as well. Well, I would like to say that I have purchased the Twin Peaks hoodie from Showtime and the Warhammer <laughs> T-shirt from Showtime because my whole life I wanted Sarah Lee on my shirt. Don't. <laughs> And they, while I'm very happy to have them, the quality is not bad. I'm actually, I'm surprised I haven't really seen that anywhere online or anyone talked about it. 
I mean, they're not quality products. That's who I got. I, I haven't been overly impressed with the official merchandise Showtime has put out. I, they really need to up their game, uh, in my opinion. Well, I mean, the print on my hoodie, which was kind of pricey, um, you can hardly read that it says Welcome to Swim Weeks. I mean, it's not... It's, I was a little disappointed in both of them, so I didn't buy anything else. And I, I may not, because, yeah, I got Cheryl Lee, so what else do I need? She got that Lara Flynn Boyle t-shirt? Uh, I got her lip cloth. <laughs> I, I got her lip cloth, so that was good. President Evans mentions the core of the, of this of this season will be Agent Cooper's honesty back to Twin Peaks. What do we make of that? Is Cooper going to be stuck in the red room for the whole season? Uh, I don't know. He's, he's he, there, or, so... Well, I should imagine that we... It's been so many years. I can easily imagine that we start with Cooper um, not even knowing who he is, which, again, would mm-hmm. fit so well in with so many uh, David Lynch. You know, he just has no memory of who he is or how he even mm-hmm. got to where he is, and slowly over time... And this sounds very traditional narrative, uh, but think about it, the way Lynch would do it. Um, you know, he, he begins to piece together who he was and what he was doing and why it's important for him to go back to that. That would allow at least for, for reintroduction to characters, you know, in a way that would, would allow potentially a new audience to learn about them as, as Cooper does. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, just the, the, the simple statement is Odyssey back to a peak, I, I think, uh, obviously. Uh, there's 25 years, something's happened. He's still something significant that has to be done, and, and we'll, we'll follow it along. One of my theories is that in Firewalk with me, Annie was in that bed and said to Laura, Cooper's in the lodge, write it in your diary. And as viewers, we always watched it and thought, oh my gosh, if she only would have written it in her diary, like, mm. it has changed everything. But what if she did? And that's why Lynch is saying you should watch Firewalk with me. Mm. But I think that could be what has changed the timeline, and that kind of goes with Mark Frost's book, and there's a chance that, you know, Cooper's not in the record. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Do we know that, I just a question, do we know that she didn't write it in her diary? Because a lot of the pages were torn out. Like, we, right. there's so much that we don't know. Sure. I mean, there's so much that's open. It's all, it's all the only comment we have. <laughs> we, we, we have a comment from from Lynch, and that he did in an interview on Lynch on Lynch, where he said, "I like to think she did that she wrote it, and that someone would find that some someday." Uh, yeah. And then he also said, "I like the idea of a story going back and forth in time." And those are Lynch's direct comments about Firewall to me in the Twin Peaks universe. So whether or not those stayed alive in his mind for 25 years is hard to say. But they certainly were there at one point, so it would be real interesting to see if he um, tried to explore that further. Does anybody else have any comments about the announcements? It, I actually have a, more of a question for all of you. I'm curious to know how you plan to and how you think other people plan to experience the Neutron Peaks. Are people going to have parties or are there going to be donuts and coffee and that sort of thing? Mm, that's a good question. I, I sure hope we have a party here at the Pellet Center. That's... Uh, that's my expectation and my hope. So I'll be there. <laughs> we're, we're, I mean, I'm not committing to it, but that's certainly my goal. I think that there will be some of that, yes. I do think it's planned a Sunday night time, obviously, so that, you know, it'll become the water cooler discussion at work the next day. For those of us who are going to work the next day, that is. Makes <laughs> <laughs> sound completely ridiculous, but I've actually dreamed of Twin Peaks coming back even before it was announced. And, Every time I have that dream, I'm usually with a large amount of my Twin Peaks friends, and I hope that <laughs> that's how I'm able to experience it, wherever I am. Thank you, Rod. I was hoping you'd invite me over. I'll book the place. Did you write that dream in your diary, uh, Brad? <laughs> yeah, I have it over and over again, so I don't have to. <laughs> you know, I've got two different feelings about it. I, I, Twin Peaks is a very social thing, and I've watched Twin Peaks in different groups, and uh, there's something really valuable to that. Uh, but I will tell you, when the series aired in 1990, I, I, that was, you know, that was a different time. But I unplugged my phone, and I, I made sure no one came to my house, and I sat there by myself and my wife, and you know, we watched it uninterrupted. I wanted to totally focus on it. Um, so I, I would like to do that I think, first, and then watch it with a bunch of people right away after again. So. <laughs> 
Well, I'm kind of concerned about the fact that it's going to play over this big deep stuff because I do not want to watch it with 300 people <laughs> there. I mean, that does not sound fun to me. I'm kind of like John. I would like to crawl in a closet, watch it by myself, just to totally immerse myself in it. One last thing I want to throw out is, uh, you know, all along Showtime has been talking about an unconventional release, and I hope it's more than just, you know, streaming the third and fourth hours after the premiere. What are you hoping for? Uh, I mean, a theatrical release would be kind of cool, but mm-hmm. I mean, the Showtime was, was who said it originally, so I just wondered what they had in mind. I guess you still have four months to tell us. <laughs> well, is there anything else that we want to share before we go? Just that this is finally some good, you know, real good positive news. <laughs> that we're moving in a direction that... Well, you know, we can, we, as we said at the beginning, we can start thinking now. We have a date and a countdown, and, and that's exciting. But we needed a good day. We haven't had one in a while. Is anybody nervous about it, or does everybody think it's going to be, you know, gonna, that they're going to be happy? Because I, I would fall into the latter category. I'm not, I mean, you know, I don't know how it's going to do on a, on a wider scale, but I think among the core group that, and, and even wider than that, I, I think it's going to do well. Yeah, I'm not I, nervous about it. I'm definitely happy that it's coming on. I definitely agree with you that there's going to be a, there's going to be a group that embraces the show. But I mean, like what Scott said, I think there are going to be people who are turned off by it, and even people who might, you know, be fans, um, maybe not long, long-time fans, but some people are like, this just isn't what I wanted to see. And we'll see. I, I've, I always said, people have asked, you know, when we were doing Raps in Plastic, we always got that question, or you, you think some people are going to come back, and we still say, no, they're going to come back, but if it did, it's not going to be what you expect. Uh, I still believe that. I'm okay. 100% sure that I'm going to love it. There's just no way I won't love it. I'm not going to love it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll love it. Even like the worst David Lynch movie, the one I least like, I still will watch and enjoy it. I have no idea how the public will receive it. <laughs> I'm a, we might be the only one that like it. Everybody else is like, what is this? I'm looking forward to it. I'll agree with that. I, uh, I'm also a huge X-Files fan, and I was very mm-hmm. excited about the, uh, the new season. And it was a huge disappointment to a lot of people, and it, it wasn't what I expected or hoped for. Um, mm-hmm. I thought there were some good moments, but I'm still, I'm still happy it happened. I still enjoy watching it. So I, I feel like based on that experience, <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, in, in this case, given that it's David Lynch, I think we're all sort of expecting it could be really out there. It could be a lot different from the original show. I think I think I'm emotionally prepared for whatever they're going to give us. So, do we want to go around the table and uh, maybe let people know how like, you can be followed and, uh, and and talk about you know your own Twin Peaks project that you guys have been involved with? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brad underscore D underscore or at Book. And you've got the uh, Brad Dukes uh, show. What have you been doing with that? Oh, yeah. I've got a new episode with editor Jonathan Shaw. He did quite a few original episodes of Twin Peaks, and he actually worked on the third season, and we recorded a commentary for episode two, so I'm excited to share that. Oh, oh that sounds good. And David? So I don't know what's happening with the with the book that we did, whether there'll be anything new as a result of that. Uh I'm working on a Buffy book right now that um, should be out in the fall. And Scott and I are working on a, we've got a Buffy podcast where we've been talking to a lot of the people who have been involved either in front of or behind the uh, camera that's called the Big Bad Buffy Interviews. And if, if some people don't know, you did Twin Peaks FAQ with uh, Arthur? With Arthur Smith. And actually, we're on Twitter at Twin Peaks FAQ. And hopefully, we'll be doing some stuff with Twin Peaks at the Palace Center in New York and in, in L.A. When, when it comes back. So, uh, that, so that would be on our website, the palacecenter.org. And Francine? You can find me on Twitter at Francine D. Uh, or you can also find the Pink Room David Lynch Burlesque at Pink Room Burley Q on Twitter. And you can also check out uh, a film I made called, of course, A David Lynch Movie, and which is a features and music video by Chase of the Darkboard uh, with his song, also called The David Lynch Movie. And that's, I guessed it, David Lynch Movie on Twitter. John? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at ThornWhip. It's T-H-O-R-N-E-W-I-P. Uh, and then I have my blog that I occasionally put some pieces up on, and that's uh, above the store, dot blogspot dot com. You know, try to revise 
few things that we had around some plastic and, and little snippets of some old stuff and, and put it up there. And I'm mulling over a couple of ideas for the future, but uh, I'll hold on to those for now. I'll let you know when I know a little more about them. You'll be the first to hear that. Of course, you're the author of Essential... Uh, Essential Acting Plastic. It's right. Pathways to Twin Peaks and Pulling, yeah. And that is a book that collects a bunch of uh, you know, the interviews and the essays and the episode guide, script analysis and other goodies from Acting Plastic. It's, so it's back in print because those magazines are out of print. So if anyone wants to read some of the good stuff from Acting Plastic, they can get the book on Amazon. And Scott, we might be here all night if you tell us everything, but I, we want to hear. <laughs> what, what, what are you been doing, Scott? Boy, I'm afraid of the internet. I'm not on it. <laughs> so, the latest thing I have is the Red Room podcast. We posted an interview today with Spencer Hickman. He was the guy who did the project for the Firewalk of the Inland Peaks vinyl releases from Death Waltz Records. It's really interesting how you worked with Lynch, and you can get that at the Red Room Podcast, which is on iTunes and www.redroompodcast.com. And in May, I will have my 30-something book out. I actually just turned it in today, the final, final version. It's finally done, and it's supposed to come out early May, end of April. So. And then my film, Voyage to Swim Peaks, which is about the Swim Peaks Fest, is streaming on Amazon, so you can find out what it's like to go to a Twin Peaks Fest. Awesome. And I want to say thank you again for, uh, you know, you hosted our Best Of show uh, a few <laughs> weeks ago. You were awesome. <laughs> you were so gracious to give us your time, and you came up with a lot of the ideas, especially the, the blackmail idea. I thought it was great. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at that whole idea, and oh. I'm glad you guys liked it instead of telling me, no, this is not what we wanted at all. You just never give me an idea and say, you can do whatever you want, but would you not have a thing? <laughs> yes, he's <laughs> uh, Loved it. It was awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. This is great. I hope we can do this again. This is our first time uh, at Twin Peaks and Rap doing a panel. It's always scary to have uh, all of us on at the same time, but I think it was, was really good. I think I thank you so much, everyone. So, Ben, how'd the panel go? Awesome. Yeah, They're, these guys are amazing. It's great to have them on. I just got back from work. I was hoping to make it in time, but I guess you guys finished without me. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's Next like, time. I think you, you you texted me, and it's like, oh, let's hurry up before Brian gets here. <laughs> Damn it! Well, I guess I'll have to listen. So you can email us at twinpeaksunwrapped@gmail.com. Next time we do a um, 2.0 show in the future, we got some good emails. I would like to share with everybody. We are on Twitter at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. You can also find us on Facebook at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Yes, get us to that 350 mark and maybe 400 by season three. That'd which be, would be awesome. awesome. We're also on iTunes. We really appreciate those five stars and reviews. Yes. The reviews have been awesome. Ben. They are something else. They're really great reviews. Our fans are great. Yes. And let's get Twin Peaks on the top 50 podcast chart. Yes, and if not us, why not one of our other friends of the show, Twin yeah. Peaks? Why not Diane? Why not Deer Meadows Radio? Why not Brad Duke's show? Why not Counter Esperanto? Why not? Well, that is our show. I had a lot of fun. It's exciting times we're living in. 2017 is going to be the year of Twin Peaks. It's going to be. And I can't wait to go on that journey.